Welcome to the Knit British Podcast. On this journey, exploring connections of localness in wool and knitting from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the Knit British Podcast. It's lovely to have you here for our last episode of 2018. That came around pretty quickly, didn't it? I am trying to dispense with the C word as much as possible in this episode. There are some awesome knitters and crafters and designers who um, have blogs and podcasts uh, and vlogs for you telling you all about um, gifts you should buy for the crafter in your life and um, uh, quick gift knits and things like that. That's all awesome, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> and uh, there is very, very um, sparse mention of the C word in the podcast today. Just the normal woolly japes and knit British. And I've got the podcast right next to me at uh, the moment, who's being very quiet. Um. So I wanted to start this episode by saying thank you so much for your feedback on the last two episodes that we've had, which were special episodes, I guess, break from our regular schedule, at least, um, from the North Atlantic Sheep and Wool Conference, and also my last episode with Mika Komos, which was on machine knitting and uh, very interested in your feedback from that. Lots of you putting your hands up and saying, yeah, I kind of thought machine knitting was cheating or, or, I, or I misunderstood what machine knitting was all about. So that was fantastic. And you can hear both of those um, if you've not listened to them already at knitbritish.net or via iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, as you will find all of the other episodes of the Knit British podcast. But it does feel like quite a long time since September when I sat down with a, uh, a regularly, I don't like the word regular in, with anything that I do, um, but um, um, our, yeah, our usual schedule of um, uh, wool exploration and the like. It's been a while since we've had one of those, so you'll forgive me if I'm a little rusty uh, with our Manx wool exploration today, but very much looking forward to talking about the Manx Lofton um, and how our wool explorers found that particular breed and the yarns that are available. Uh, let's just take a little moment to... Um, celebrate Wool Exploration 2018 because this year we've looked at eight distinct breeds and one whole breed group. So possibly 12 or more breed yarns have been through your hands this year uh, f just for Wool Exploration. Um, so let's celebrate that um, a moment and give ourselves a round of applause. I have thoroughly loved wool exploration. It has been everything and more uh, than I anticipated it to be. And I've loved how enthusiastic you have been. Um, some of you participate in every single wool exploration, whether you um, get your reviews in on the Google form in time or whether you 
um, you know, talk about it in the Knit British Ravelry group. I know that there are some of you who are exploring uh, right along with us every single breed that we've done. And there are some of you who are dipping in and out, which, again, trying breeds that you haven't tried before, that was the, one of the big reasons for doing wool exploration. Some of you have been a bit sceptical about some of the yarns, uh, breed yarns, that hand-squished grab you know, deceptive as ever. Some of you squishing that yarn and feeling, uh-oh, no, this is not going to be for me. And then washing and blocking and wearing and washing and blocking and wearing. You have found that yarn, particular breed yarn, to be totally different um, from that first squish. And again, that is what wool exploration is all about. Some of you have been less than convinced uh, about some of the breed yarns and have admittedly only carried on with the exploration for the purposes of review and I thank you very much for doing that because as much as I'd like you to love all different types of breed wool that's not always going to happen. Um, and again, as I always say, we all feel different yarns, different breeds in different ways. Some of the uh, breed yarns that we've looked at have not been some wool explorers cup of tea. But I thank you for taking part and for reporting back. I also thank you for wearing swatches during one of the hottest summers my hat is definitely off and some of you uh, took explo exploration to the next level, bunged swatches in a high temperature, high spin cycle on the wash machine, tumble dried. Um, some of us donated our swatches to cold newts, Mrs Goggins, and uh, some of you set about your swatches with pumice stones. Those of you who have also embarked on wool exploration to find very local examples of breed wool to you, thank you too. And again, I always say that while the name of the podcast is Knit British, knit local is the important thing. Local is the operative word. If you can find these breeds local to you, in whatever that means, whether it's your backyard or state or your country, try and find what's local to you because it's so important to support. So you all graduate with uh, honours uh, from Wool Exploration Year 1 and there will be Year 2. Oh, yes, there will. That sounded a bit pantomime there. I do apologise. Um, <laughs> we're going to kick off in January with Shetland Wool Exploration. And uh, obviously that's one that I had thought we might get to before the end of this year. But with our two special episodes coming out, I just really didn't want to cram in um, two wool explorations before the end of the year because, you know, that's no fun. And we don't want it to sound rushed. We want to spend some good time on it. There are Shetland sheep all over the world and there are numerous different natural shades of Shetland sheep. There are amazing dyers um, who are doing wonderful things with Shetland wool. So there's, there's hopefully going to be a lot to get through. So we're going to start in January with, with that. Uh, and that will be our first one. But we are doing six breeds all together in 2019. Uh, 12 was a lot, my friends. 12 
months of wool exploration was quite a lot and we haven't quite managed uh, 12 breeds. Um, although, as I say, with, with the Dorset group, um, we will some of us will have definitely gone through at least 12 different breeds. Um, but that was a lot. A monthly wool exploration was a lot. And so six breeds in 2019 seems sensible in terms of me producing the podcast and um, putting that information out. But it also, more importantly, gives us more time in our pursuit of um, that fieldwork, important fieldwork. It gives us more time to really explore each breed and plenty of time to do those two wash, block and wear tests. I will accept no excuses for not having enough time to do two wash, block and wears uh, next year because we're going to have oodles of time to play with. And in fact... More time for you to do more wash, block and wear tests if you so desire. Um, I'll tell you about the other five breeds in just a minute. Um, But uh, the other thing that I wanted to say is that I'm going to do a little mini episode on wool exploration. And um, that is just something to point to because... Obviously, we are having people popping in to do some wool exploration. In fact, this month we've got, I think, at least three uh, people who are new to wool exploration on the podcast. So that's brilliant. It's just, again, it's just something to point to um, in terms of giving people information about uh, about the whole exploration. Before we get down to wool exploration with Max Lofton, I have a little interview. Oh. Well, 20 minutes, it's not little, uh, with Pip Venel, who is Ramsey Baggins, one half of the Tipsy Knits podcast. Uh, I chatted with her at Ferret Fest at Fluff in Dundee, which was held on the 17th of November. And I asked her if she would bring some of her swatches because she is a gal after my own heart. Um, She loves a breed swatch and uh, she's taken her relationship with swatching to a bunting level a really her her interest started with the breed swatch long that we did at knit british in 2015 and yeah i just wanted to have a chat with her about swatching and just have a bit of a swatch love in actually so listen out uh, for mention of the wool exploration breeds for 2019 Introduce, introduce yeah. yourself. Hello, I'm Pip, aka Ramsey Baggins, um, co-host of the Tipsy Nets podcast. And um, I, I knew you were coming um, mm-hmm. today to Ferret Fest, and I wanted to talk to you about swatches yes. because I know you're a girl after my own heart, my own swatching heart. <laughs> well, you're the one that got me started on as part of the Will Expo. Was the breed swatch along like three, swatch- three years ago? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah it so. was three years ago. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk to you about it because you've graduated from swatches to bunting swatches. Yes. So, like, do you want to talk a little bit about about your relationship with swatching? Yeah, so it was never really something that I used to do at all, um, and I used to get kind of <gasps> and I used to tell people, like, I don't, I don't swatch. <gasps> oh, well, what do the you sharp, mean you don't swatch? The sharp intake of breath. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then. 
you, I started listening to your podcast, Sia recommended it. Um, I was really interested and I didn't really know much about British Royal at all, but by listening, to, I listened to like your whole backlog and I, it made me think about where my role was coming from and everything like that. So when you announced the Breed Swatch along, I think I'd actually posted in the Ravelry group and I was like, I don't have, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if I have lots of money, so I don't know if I can, and you were like... Well, I was just to say, yeah. five pound, cost about five yep. pound, buy a ball and try yeah. it out. That was the kind of uh-huh. idea, I suppose, you know. behind the Swatch along. Um, and then I just really enjoyed like the, the testing, the like almost like tap taste testing and filling out all the notes and things um everyone knows i love like bullet journals and lists <laughs> yeah. and i love going into detail so it gave me this whole new perspective mm-hmm. on yarn yeah on wool and then i'd kind of i'd done a few for the breed swatch along and i'd kind of not done anything for a while and then you were talking about the wool exploration and i was like good opportunity <laughs> Because I had so much left over. Yeah. I hadn't knit yet. I had so many of these balls of yarn I'd collected over the years. And I was like, I really need to get around to doing them again. And then that was the perfect opportunity. And yeah, I, I do tend to get obsessive about things. And I was going through kind of a period where I was really struggling to stick to a big project. Um, I was dealing with anxiety and stuff like that. So little projects, like little bunting squares were really good yeah and i think also the thing about the the, the wool exploration of the breed swatch along because i also suffer from anxiety and low mood and i think a small project like that it is a, it is like a, a like a tactile sensation it does it is quite it can be quite a soothing thing yeah. it can actually feed into how you're feeling and, yeah. and it definitely like having a small focus because I can know how many times I lost my knit mojo over the years, but I could always bang out a swatch. Yeah. But you've now done done as bunting. Yeah. So basically, the the squares that I was doing for the road test um, was only using maybe twenty grams of a ball. So I was like, what can I do with all these leftover kind of bits of yarn that aren't necessarily going to feed into anything else? And uh, Tin Can Knits had just released their um, crazy colour. Is it Mad Mad Colour? Mad Colour. Yeah, and they released like a free um, pattern in the back for just a little piece of bunting that you could make to as a swatch. That's right. And I was like, this is perfect. So it meant that, you know, while I was with my squares, I was trying to felt them and all this kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas with this, you could block them all to the same size and eventually eventually i'll put them all together and it'll probably go in a nursery eventually and that's like amazing that. and you've got them with the little um, beads so that you can spell out what each one is yep yep like i said i do get obsessive and i was like i had them on like little tags like luggage tags almost yeah yeah like and, i've got yeah. cut up luggage tags but i was like i can't lock these with luggage tags on no so, no, I know. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I love that. So it's just a piece of embroidery floss with some... Uh, uh, actually, the longest part was sorting out all the letters. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the longest one you've had uh, to spell out? Gosh. Uh, blue, uh, white-faced Woodland is here. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, There's that's quite blue-faced long. Blue-faced Leicester. Oh, what's this one? North Ronaldsea. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I do love them, though, because every time I look through them again, I all they always... They're such, they are, and they and you do really do appreciate each one for mm-hmm. its 
individual um, characteristics and textures. And then yeah. also, I think once you've swatched with a lot of different breeds, it d- totally makes you think about it when it comes to mm-hmm. knitting garments. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it diff- get diff- gives you a different perspective on. Well, okay, well that would be really really soft, but actually this one, you know, <laughs> yeah. might wear better, or I want it to be a out- more outdoor sweater than a drapey sweater. And, it really, really does add to your sort of knowledge. Yeah, definitely. So, like, I used to be one of these people where it was, like, Blue Face Leicester or Merino only, and then I graduated to Shetland, which at the time I was like, this is a bit scratchy, but it's fine. And now, like, I've got, I've made my Nature Shades along, Gamel Dags and Jacob, and I love it. so warm. Beautiful. Um, thank you. It's gorgeous. But, like, it's quite funny because I, I enjoy, like, people's different people's reactions to these because I could pretty much wear almost all of these against my skin except the Hardwick the Hardwick is the only one that's a tough one um, that's about, you know 40 to 50 microns that yeah. is you know that's but I still love the texture of it I still love to feel it in yeah. my hands and, it, and when you felt that it becomes incredibly soft yeah. as well mm-hmm. so it's like it's like it's it almost is reminding yourself that there there are no bad yarns yeah. there are no bad rules really they all have some sort of a, a purpose and yeah. use like one of the ones that when I bring the when I have them on one of the ones that people always say oh I'm not sure I'd wear that is the Black Welsh Mountain yeah but then I tell them that it's almost impossible to block because you can't get it wet. And like, they're like, yeah. oh, so you wear that over something else yeah. if you're out in the fields when it's raining. Like, it was really, I was like properly squeezing, squeezing it. it. I love that. And really trying to get it wet and it's almost impossible. Proper intrepid. Yep. Yeah, and it is, it's an incredible. And we're going to do that next year. Ooh. Exciting. Do you want me to tell you what we're going to do next year? Yes, yes. So next year we're only going to do six okay. instead of because twelve was a lot. So Shetland will be in January. Awesome. Then Cheviot. Yes. Uh, Wensleydale. Lovely. Then any Welsh mountain. Ooh. So Black Welsh mountain, Welsh mountain, uh, the Badger Face, uh-huh. Balwyn, Tordu. So I'm really making a rod from going back with that one. Uh, Norfolk Horn. Yes. Is that six? There's another. I'm missing one. That'll be a surprise. Yeah, a surprise. <laughs> but I was trying to think a little bit more of what of availability of things because there's yeah. some of the ones that we did this year that I thought let's do Teeswater and then that was really hard for people to find. Yeah. Um, and uh, Southdown was another one that was tough for people to find. So I think I've hopefully chose some that will be like there's a lot of chivy around now. Yeah. There's a lot of chivy yarns which maybe this year or last year there wasn't a lot of choice. So. Yeah. So, have you done any of those ones? Um, I've made a hat from some Cheviot, which was the Cheviot from the Countess of Blaise. Oh, She has some Cheviot yes, Aaron. Yes. I have that. Um, yeah. That is a really lovely hat. I've got my Black Welsh Mountain, obviously. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else? I've got all kinds of things. Cotswold, that's do. amazing. That is that. That's not easy to find now, really. No. There's less and less. A lot of these are from when I originally bought the stuff back in 2015. Mm-hmm. From A lot of it came from Blacker, almost yeah. all of it. I think yeah. I just went and I was like, I'm just going to get all of their Such a stuff. buttery golden yeah. colour. Um, I'm not sure. No, one of the ones I always like in here, which one is it? One in here that people always are like, there's no way that's wool. Yeah, it's the Welsh mule. People always think that's like cotton. Does have it? That I wonder if that's the twist in it. Maybe because is that Welsh mule? That's Welsh mule. So I've got Welsh mule here. This is Welsh mule. 
Oh, that's different. Yeah. And that's a three ply, I think, three plied um, yarn. That's lovely. So again, it's yeah. like the fact that that's one of the things that I love about the wool mm-hmm. exploration is that we're all using the same breed, we're using different yarns and different spins but you end up with something that's totally not the same and that's why when someone says oh I've tried that I don't like it I'm like try another yeah like like North Ronaldy was like that for me yeah yeah me too um, first North Ronaldy that I ever met with I did find it a bit kind of toothy because yeah. the guard hairs were still in it yeah once I was wearing them once I'd had them on and they peed it up they were fine that's the thing I, like one of these I can't remember which one now this one's been washed and blocked and this one hasn't I think that was the way of it yeah and and again the same same ball of yarn mm-hmm. but just how different it can be yeah but then but, I had the yarn from North Ronaldy where they take the guard hairs out yeah and that stuff is so soft yeah and I already love North Ronaldy as it is but it's amazing yeah Give them the swatches and people are like, that's not the same. It's that's it's, that's, same it's amazing. I uh, it is just absolutely fascinating how what people find. This one is is this Lan Wenig, I think. Is it? Yeah. Another Welsh one. Mm-hmm. I've got some Lan Wenog, I think. And I love that. I just again it's almost like the Suffolk. It's got that kind of it's dense, but it's got that little bit of dry hand. Yeah. It's almost like the I love the ones that are fuzzy. Yes. It's almost like yeah. It's almost like um, I like Braille. Not that I ever want to need to read Braille, but I like I quite often do just like to fingertip. I've got a, a my crochet blanket over the back of the couch, and sometimes in the morning when I'm reaching for the light, I hit it, and I'm like, oh, it's just a different sensation again. The feel of each little bit, what yeah. breed that might be. It's it's an amazing thing. It's kind of like this Dorset where it's just yeah. fuzzy, almost like to the point where the stitch definition is just a little bit blurred. Yeah. Almost like I feel like I need to wear my glasses when I'm looking at yes. it. Yes. But it's it such a nice. Focus. Yeah. And this is one that um, so many wool explorers felt mm-hmm. was like vintage jumpers. And yeah. it is. Yeah. It really, really, really is. Mm-hmm. And it's got that sort of, you imagine it would have a good life, even though. Yeah. It has gone a little bit, um, yeah. It's like out of focus slightly. That yeah. sort of, and I think it's incredible, like how defined they keep their block. Because I blocked these once last year. Really, they've once really kept the block well. Like it's just, oh, it's given me a, a real appreciation for textures and like also finding out where they come from and what they look like, like yeah. the sheep look like, and like. <laughs> My in-laws now. Anytime we go past, go past the sheep, they're like, "Do you know what that one is?" I'm not that good yet. Same. I know. You know. You never get it yet. Because some of them really look alike. Yes. They really do. Mm-hmm. You know, they have pointy ears and wool. I mean, some of them are just very, very, very alike. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you think? Do you, like your now love of swatching and different breeds? Has it changed your attitudes? to what, how you knit and what you knit with definitely it's made me a lot more aware of where my yarn comes from um, what it goes through uh, I love if I can I love to support if I see like small farms that are doing yarns and things like that like my Herdwick came from just a small farmer and her own Herdwick flock um, that's incredible and I just and she, I think she gave me a fridge magnet with her with a picture of her flock on it but I just, I love to hear the stories and and as well, you know that it's coming from an ethical source, that they're being looked after properly and you're supporting someone who cares, Yeah. you know, like, I'm not saying that I don't buy commercial yarn ever, no. but, you know, but it's, 
Well, it's definitely made me so much more aware of who I choose to spend my yarn money with. And you know. as you say, there's a story, uh, you know, that you, whatever you make with it, you know, even if it's bunting, this is an actual flag for that. Yeah. Textiles are incredible things, and I think they can conjure up lots of things, conjure up feel and conjure up memories, and they have a story as well. Mm-hmm. And it, you feel part of that, I think. Yeah. To be actually, you know, you know where it's come from, you might have known who's dyed it, and now mm-hmm. you're going to make something with it. Yeah. Or, and then maybe even give that to someone else, but it's that part of it that, you know, become involved with it, I think. And I think, like, as well, one of the things I love doing is uh, anyone that follows me on Instagram or Twitter will know that I love to, like, shout out as well. So if yeah. I find something and I'm like, this is awesome, I will post it on Instagram and I will hashtag it or I will yeah. tag them. And, like, and I feel like that's kind of what we can give back is allowing other people to discover it. Yes. Like, I really love that. That is so true. And I think that's the thing that, you know, the small rural world needs that. Mm -hmm. It needs voices. It needs a lot of people, you know, just putting on Twitter and saying, have you seen this? Or look at this swatch that I've made and it's come from here. And these are the sheep Mm -hmm. or like, you know, follow them if you want to know. It's like, they need that. Mm -hmm. We, we, you know, they deserve that. And we can easily do that. And I think everyone can do that. Mm -hmm. It's like so easy to be. I don't like the word influencer at all. I really don't. But like advocating yeah. for other woolly people, yeah. be it designer, wool maker, or shepherd, or dyer, it's an amazing yeah. thing to be able to do. It's so easy. I think C and I refer to it as being nitty paladins. Yes, <laughs> it's so true, and it's and it's easy, mm-hmm. and it doesn't cost anything nope. apart from and your enjoyment of knitting mm-hmm. with it as well. You get that out of it too. Yes. it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing mm-hmm. thing. So have you? Ha- have you, have you ever hung your bunting yet? I haven't waiting? hung them yet. Um, I think I've now got through almost everything. Now I have, I do have a list of all the different British breeds in the back of my bullet journal. And <laughs> I was hoping to get a few more ticked off, but I think I've got to the point now where they need to be strung yeah. and hung. Yeah. We're going to be redoing our spare room soon, so they'll go maybe up in the spare room and That's that incredible. Kind of thing. Um, you should have a bunting warming party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know, like, the nice thing about this, especially when it will be strung, is like, I actually really enjoy allowing people to, like, because people are saying, you know, they're like, oh, I'm interested. So I'm like, I'll bring them along. And then, yes. And then seeing people be like, oh, I didn't know that felt that way, or, oh, that's really interesting. It's like and, a. Yeah, it's like, yes. Yes, a yeah. punch the air moment. Because yes. it's like uh, it's like sharing the secret. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. sharing something. That, and you only know it from being able to interact with it. So yeah. it's so important that people do touch it and feel mm-hmm. it. And, and um, yeah, that's amazing. Well, I like totally salute you. <laughs> Doff my wooly cap. And well, thank the, you. You're the one that started me on the journey. Oh, so. thank you. Did I ask you if you had a favourite? A favourite? Oh, a favourite. It's like picking a child, yeah. favorite child. I really, really love North Ronaldsey. Yeah, a lot. Um, I mean, if you can give me one fiber to knit with forever, I think North Ronaldsey does Ooh. does it all. To be honest. Oh, I don't think I could ever pick one. That's amazing. But, um, but like, I also like the uh, Manx. The Manx yeah. often is just oh, the colors as well. Like oh, I do love Jacob as well. Jacob was, I think, the very first wool exploration swatch breed, breed swatch along I ever did 
I'm pretty sure it was Jacob. I think you're right, yeah. Um, and I just fell in love with it straight away. And I made some socks with it, which unfortunately got eaten by moths. Oh, but that's they were good. so warm and beautiful, and I love my this is sweater. Oh. So the one, oh, this one so was nice. just cast off. This one was washed and blocked once, and this one was worn. Mm-hmm. and has been worn quite a lot wash yeah. block worn and I love I just and it actually you know it's all one ball of wool but the mm-hmm. difference that you get in the colours is it you know wears yeah. a little bit as well it's, but even there you can see it does lace it does texture yeah. it does garter like it's perfect yeah, it's just a it really good so nice yeah I like that's the kind of thing as well to, to discover that a wool is good for so many different things as yeah. well. But there are some that you can go. Actually, this will this will be good for stocking it, but or you know don't want anything too too lacy yeah. or whatever. But yeah, Jacobs is is such a good all rounder, and it's such a oh, just whether it's blended like this one is, like mm-hmm. all the colours blended together, or whether it's you get the light and the dark yeah. separated out. They're all amazing. Yeah, really. and uh, my in-laws have some Jacobs sheep that live in the field right beside them as well. They were like, there are these weird sheep. That look, and they they were so cute, and they also have some Rylands. I love Rylands. Oh, Rylands! And they're awesome. like teddy bears. Yes. And they came right up to the fence, and you could give them a wee scritch on they're their so heads. They're so like spe- oh, yeah. I love them. Oh. We're very lucky, I think. We are so yeah. lucky. Yeah. Like, especially living in Scotland as well. Yeah. Oh. Well, Can I, you think- ma- I mean, I like think of it. The people who do write in and say I don't have local wool, or my local wool is like in the next country mm-hmm. over or whatever, and I just think, oh, we're so lucky, mm-hmm. so so lucky, because so we've got such a lot in this country. I'd love to start going into some Irish wool as well I know that obviously there's the, the, the lack of scouring and that kind of thing yeah um, but I'd really love to explore some of that as well because obviously I'm from Northern yeah. Ireland um, and Northern Ireland is an agricultural country Ireland is, a, is an agricultural country and there's sheep everywhere yeah but you don't ever hear anything about Irish sheep yeah or anything so I'd love to like maybe someday find some way of yes. fleece or something like that. I know that Grace from Babbles Yarns, she's tried some of the, you know where you soak it and you soak yeah. it, and you soak it. She, yeah. she's tried some of that because she spins. I don't spin yet. Yet. Oh, I love that, yet. <laughs> I have a spinning wheel, I just don't spin yet. Um, I'm not sure if my husband would be happy that I bring yet another craft <laughs> into the flat, <laughs> but if I could get my hands on some fleece or something, I'd yeah. love to give an Irish kind of Irish to go amazing yeah. that's the future yes <laughs> thank you so much no problem thank I've, you I've been you know waiting to talk to you about <laughs> swatching and beads and stuff like that and, and thank I... you for starting me on the the journey as well oh you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much to Pip for a great chat. And did you hear the reveal of those breeds for Wool Exploration 2019? Well, in actual order, we will be looking at we'll be looking at Shetland in January, Cheviot on the March podcast. We'll be looking at Wensleydale on the May podcast. Uh, and then the one that I forgot, how could I forget? Castle Milk Mudit. Uh, is what we'll be looking at in the July podcast. Then we'll be looking at Norfolk Horn in September and the Welsh Mountain Group in November, which sounds like it should be, you know, a choral society, something like that, the Welsh Mountain Group. Um, So I've not decided on the deadlines yet, but essentially uh, those are the months that those Wool Exploration podcasts are going out at the moment. I think I'll probably open the next 
three chat threads all at once. So Cheviot, Wensleydale and Castlemilk Murat. I'm tempted to open up all six uh, or the, the remaining five because the Shetland one is already open. But I feel that might be too many sticky threads to contend with in the Knit British Ravelry group. And we've got quite a lot of sticky threads already. Um, but I am all for you starting your swatching engines now. Um, do start with uh, the Cheviot, the Wensleydale and the Castle Milk Murat. Uh, and if you're so inclined, start with the Norfolk Corn and the Welsh Mountain Group as well. The Welsh Mountain Group is going to take, if you want to go through them all, it's going to take us a little while. I know that there are some intrepid explorers who might be interested in doing more than one for that. But again, as I say, plenty of time to do the mandatory wash, block and wear test twice and even more time to do further exploration on your swatches. Uh, we will look at wool exploration with Manx next. So get your cup or your glass refilled. Take a comfort break to the wee room if you need. Next up is wool exploration. As always, I read the Fleece and Fibre source book on for our Manx uh, exploration. And of course, I should start with the sheep giving them their full name. It's Manx Lofton. And you may see it spelled in um, several different ways. Um, it's The second part, Lofton, is believed to be a variation uh, of the Gaelic for mouse brown to sort of um, describe the colour. And you will be forgiven for thinking Gaelic. I thought they were from the Isle of Man and not from Scotland. Well, of course, Gaelic languages are not isolated to Scotland. It was the first language of the Manx people. And while the last native speaker died in the 70s, there is a language revival going on in the Isle of Man. So hurrah! for intangible cultural heritage and for mino minority languages of the UK. If anybody, any listeners speak uh, Manx Gaelic, um, that would be interesting to know. The Isle of Man is a self-governing British Crown dependency which is situated in the Irish Sea between Britain and Ireland. The native sheep are part of the Northern European short-tailed breed group, which we discussed a couple of episodes ago. Um, the sheep are horned. In fact, both sexes are horned and some are extravagantly horned. The dominant colour is uh, brown, uh, but that sounds a rather flat term for what is an incredible variation of browns from really ready fudgy browns to very light browns, fawns almost. But lambs are born black, uh, with black fleece and they turn brown quite quickly after. We can compare that brown fleece, as I say, such a flat term, to Shetland murit. Uh, murit uh, is a word that sort of means, uh, I guess, blondish brown, yellowish brown, uh, but extends to reddish brown, bluish brown, grey-blue brown. Um, you know, there's a lot of variation in what can be called murit. Um, I always think of a lock of murit coloured fleece and Manx Lofton is the same. It looks like a little flame, sort of with the lighter tip. 
the slight variations in the, of the different colours of brown could be due to the ancestors of the Lofton, which was the Manx mountain sheep, which were, they lived through the island at one point and provided the Manx people with meat and fleeces of all different varieties of shades. Um, the soft brown shade was apparently seen as rare and was highly valued. Uh, they lived uh, very well on a harsh environment and adapted really well to living in that landscape. That rare shade of brown is now obviously the dominant um, colour of the breed. But the sheep are definitely rare. They're uh, classed as at risk on the Rare Breeds Survival Trust sheep watch list. At risk means there are between 900 and 1500 breeding yows. And this is stabilised uh, over the years, so they've been on the at-risk category for quite some time, I believe. Um, the breed actually was in real danger of extinction. Uh, in fact, I can tell you um, that 70 years ago, it was reported that there was only one flock of a dozen Manx Lofton sheep left in the Isle of Man. And the reason I know that is because in my day job, I happened totally unexpectedly and unrelated to anything that I was doing at the time um, I, I found a letter um, at the collections where I work which was from the director of the Manx Museum Basil McGaw to the ecologist and conservationist Frank Fraser Darling describing this last flock on the Isle of Man and asking for assistance to save the breed from extinction. Uh, there was a reply from Fraser Darling as well, and um, he was he had undertaken um, work on the um, study of the uh, Scottish mountain blackface. He had also written a survey of the West Highlands of Scotland and also was just an, an incredible um, conservationist. If you haven't read any of his books then seek out some reading on Frank Fraser Darling or listen to his wreath lectures from the BBC which you can listen to via the BBC iPlayer. They were um, recorded in 1969 and they're all about sort of whose responsibility is uh, conservation and the ecology and the landscape and the environment is really really interesting. Um in this reply, Frank Fraser Darling, um, who was then teaching at the University of Edinburgh, discussed the same kind of thing that was happening with North Ronaldsea at that time and the North Ronaldsea breed. Um, and this was all 30 years before the establishment of the Rare Breeds Survival Trust. Um, but it was, and I, obviously there was no other correspondence, um, but it, it was just such a coincidence to come up upon these letters um, when I was thinking about our Manx wool exploration. Sometimes things like that happen, don't they? Let's look at the Manx Lofton facts. The breed is still raised for meat, which, like many native North Northern European short-tail breeds, is considered unique. Um, it's full of flavour, yet this is the Manx meat is meant to be lower in fat. And the breed received protected designation of origin status in 2009 for the meat. Um, so that's the same status as... Champagne, uh, Parma ham, Scotch beef, Herdwick lamb, um, things like that. Uh, where the fleece is concerned, a sheared fleece ranges from 
1.4 to 2.5 kilograms and staple length is from 2.5 to 5 inches long. It can be as soft as 27 microns up to over 30 microns and some fleeces are considered finer than others. I was thinking of this on a par with fine Shetland fleece as well. Perhaps it's a similar idea that some of the um, sheep create a much finer fleece. The locks are close and can be lustrous, though I actually haven't seen this um, in any of the Manx yarn that I've used, but I've mostly used woolen spun Manx, so perhaps that's why um, luster is usually locked in with a worsted spun yarn. Um, not that you don't get worsted spun Manx yarns. Um, uh, I believe that that is meant to be exceptionally durable um, if it's worsted spun. Uh, the crimp is consistent and uniformly distributed um, and it's described as bold by the Fleece and Fibre source book. I love that bold crimp. When it's spun woolen, the bounciness and I think I would say the boldness um, of that fleece is uh, very evident, exceptionally so. I have right here um, a couple of swatches that I made um, from wool that was spun at the Natural Fibre Co. And the fabric has bounce in bucket loads. I did a little swatch with um, Daisy Stitch which actually is a swatch that hasn't been washed or blocked and the bounce is just incredible. It's got real boing ability. Um, I also made a swatch uh, with a bit of lace and this is the swatch that I wash and block regularly and it's still got, uh, it keeps its block, but it's still got a lovely um, amount of energy about it. Yeah, I would say I probably knit these swatches about three years ago. In fact, this Daisy, Daisy Stitch swatch is so thick and bouncy that I quite often, <sighs> it's kind of a little bit like bubble wrap. I just like boinging the little plump daisy stitches. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy and a lot of bounce in this yarn. And it's, the colour is fantastic. I've got a, a proper rusty, fudgy brown. Um, I just love it. It's sort of the colour of gingerbread. Um, really, really pretty. Again, if it's spun worsted, I think it would make incredible socks. And there was an interesting couple of chats in the Knit British, in the Knit British Ravelry group talking about Manx for socks. So I'd be very interested to hear more of sock exploration. I think actually it's very interesting that Manx can be as soft as 27 microns. I mean, that's quite soft. And I'm not quite sure if people are aware of Manx Lofton as a, you know, as being yarn known for its softness. And, you know, when we talk about British wool, we always do get those, those raised eyebrows from some people who say British wool isn't at all itchy. Um, possibly a little underrated um, in terms of in the softness stakes um, by some but let's see what our wool explorers think about it because softness is a very subjective thing isn't it we had 13 explorers this month lucky 13 and a few of them were intrepid enough to review more than one weight of manx yarn the yarns being tested uh, this month were uh, Garthenol, Ballas Kohanan, nope, 
I'm always going to say this wrong, Balasconahan yarn, which is actually from the Isle of Man, Black Bat Rare Breeds, Crafternoon Treats Manx, Blacker, and I think five of our wool explorers were hand spinning this month. Um, so we've got a big range of weights, uh, and I think that this time I'm going to order um, things by weight, um, which will be interesting to have a little look at. So let's get cracking with the Aran Plus. Um, here we have Silver Spring Knit with uh, a Chunky from Garthenor, Knitting Ginny with the Ballast Conahan yarn, Sin Spins, Geneva Makes and Bellara 19, who were all hand spinning. And uh, Bellara 19, I think, hopefully I'm saying your name right. Um, you are new to Will Exploration, I think, on the podcast. So hello to you. Our... Wool explorers were using an average of a 5 to 5.5 millimeter hook or needle. Uh, let's start with Silver Spring Knits, Nora, who was using a chunky from Garthenor. She said of the hand squish grab that this was another of those yarns that evoke the word crisp for me. Uh, the yarn was nice to handle. Knitting Ginny, who was using the Balakuznahan Aran. That's not easy to say. She said the hand squish grab was very dense, bouncy ball, no overwhelming smell. Uh, Sin Spins, um, she hand spun uh, from British Manx Lofton fibre. She said the fibres are approximately five inches uh, with a dry hand and a matte appearance. That's quite consistent with um, the details from the fleece and fibre source book she said it's very easy to spin she spun worsted uh, but she says I should have made a finer gauge yarn um, someone who enjoys spinning and knitting lace weight might really love to work with this uh, Genereva makes uh, she was also hand spinning but she hand spun woolen and she said the hand squish grab was bouncy and it smells I hope that smells nice. <laughs> Just bouncy and it smells. <laughs> she said it was moderately stretchy, dry, matte and warm. Bellara 19, she said, while spinning, the crimp was obvious. She spun a three ply. Um, I think it was a worsted spun. And she said it was bouncy and crisp, not super soft but feels sturdy and reliable. So observances whilst swatching. Silver Spring Knit with her Trunky from Garthenor. She said, this was nice to work with. The yarn slid nicely from the ball to the needles. A knit up with a crisp swatch. She said, there's that word again, crisp. She said, I'd not knit with a Trunky for a while, so it took a bit of an adjustment. The swatch was not floppy, but also not stiff. So knitting Ginny with the Balakasnahan Aran, she said it was a rustic feel. She found more vegetable matter in this one. She, she also swatched with the double knit and the four ply. She said this one was uh, had most vegetable matter in it. Feels dry and crisp to knit with. Very good stitch definition. Makes a dense, slightly stiff 
sample. Um, Sin Spins, she says that um, in her sample, the garter stitches are very prominent and the lace holes quite open. Aaron weight blanket anyone? She questions. Uh, she says the swatch seems a bit on the stiff side on the needles and in my hand but I wonder if this will relax in the wash. Uh, she said it didn't split either. Um, so yeah, we'll find out if it relaxed in the wash. Uh, Ginevra makes her observances while swatching. She said the yarn is slightly less soft than say a Jemison's two-ply jumper weight and about a similar softness to Rauma uh, Stricker yarn. Great comparison. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Bella Ra 19 she said I love how bouncy it was I originally spun it this way for socks I think this would do the job admirably it had so much life to it it kept itself together well and it didn't untwist or split so to the wash block and wear test one silver spring knit with her garth and her chunky I washed it in soak and blocked it with pins. It took a while to dry and afterwards it was slightly smaller. The swatch has softened a bit and had a nice drape. I wore it against my skin inside my skirt and didn't notice it um, while I was inside. Outside it was too hot um, to wear next to the skin so she had to take it off. Knitting Ginny, she said she soaked her uh, Balakasnahan Aran swatch in tepid water with Ysalan for 30 minutes and blocked it until dry. She said it felt slightly less lofty and quite a bit smoother in feel. There was no irritation from the swatch um, where she wore it under her bra strap. Since spins with her hand-spun British Manx, she washed hers in a hot wash with dish soap and a cool rinse. She said it is dense and it takes a while to dry, which reminded me of the down yarns. Uh, the yarn I spun, she says, as opposed to the light lace weight of another spinner, which we'll hear later, is a bit too crisp for my neck and my throat. Uh, but again, against my forearm and wrists, it was no problem. It has a lot of bounce. And she said, if I were to knit up a cardigan or jacket, it could be rolled into a ball, stuffed into a duffel bag and pulled out later without a wrinkle. I believe that of this this yarn. Yeah, I definitely do. Ginevra Make says her swatch was slightly softer after the first wash, but not by much. She said it was somewhat plumper. But the stitch definition in slip stitch and the twisted stitch section wasn't so great. Uh, for the wear test, she said low bearable level of initial irritation, which lessened with time. But she was still aware of it, that it was there and she would move it um, to change position when it irritated too much. She was concerned that in spinning, she might have made the swatch less soft. She said the fibre, um, the washed fibre felt very soft, but it, now in yarn form, it doesn't quite feel so soft. Um, and she was making a, a woolen spun Aaron. So that's interesting. We'll, we'll see if further wash blocking and wearing made any difference to that one. Uh, Bella Ra 19, her first wash block and wear, uh, she said, 
Washed in earth's choice wool and delicates for 30 minutes, the stitches became more defined and really spread out. I kept it in my waistband and did not notice much prickle at all. It had softened considerably and was quite comparable to the Shetland wool to touch. I only got to wear it for about three hours because I managed to lose it in the cat litter. Oh my word. And didn't notice until my husband asked if I'd put it there on purpose. I didn't notice it was gone. So that shows that it wasn't noticeably prickly. Oh dear, the lengths you wool explorers will go to to test your wool. <laughs> my goodness me. So second wash block and wear test. Nora, Silver Spring Knit, washed it in the same way, but laid out without pins. This is chunky remember she says there's no change to the size and the swatch held its shape it has softened a bit more after taking a couple of days to dry and she says i wore it tucked into my bra strap and wore it all day whilst traveling i didn't notice it despite the warmth outside and on the plane it was a nice bit of extra warmth in the cold very good to hear Knitting Jeannie with her Balakas Nahan Aran weight uh, swatch. She did the same as before, soaked in tepid water and eucelan. She said there was uh, the same result and no irritation. Sin spins, she says, I bashed it around quite a bit in the second wash, but I don't see any negative effects. Uh, the swatch is somewhat less crisp and could be a comfortable hat or mittens. Geneva makes with her woolen handspun iron says the second wash block and wear test still a little prickle initially but slightly less so it's calmed down to a state where I can feel it is there but it's not prickly due to per personal preferences I wouldn't wear an entire garment next to my skin but there's no change to dimensions and possibly a little less stitch definition Bella Ra she said uh, she washed it again with the unicorn wash uh, and a few other swatches and wore it in her bra strap. She said it was still around 5.9 inches, about the same level of softness, but the stitches looked really defined and spread out uh, from an aggressive blocking after washing in lukewarm water. And uh, uh, Bella Ra also said she wasn't going to do a third wash block and wear, but ex accidentally... Her swatch got sucked up the vacuum cleaner. She says the swatch must be cursed. <laughs> um, she decided that she would um, give it another wash and rough it up a bit. It had shrunk ever so slightly, but it's still extremely soft. <laughs> she said um, it's beginning to get a little bit of a halo, but it's not a hugely distinct one. That was really quite funny that you were forced into a third wash block and wear. Um, but again, it's good, good to give it an extra test if you can. I asked if our wool explorers had any um, anything else to add about thoughts for use. Um, Nora with her Garthanor Chunky, she said she really enjoyed it. She was able to get three balls of it and she's going to make the rest into a hat for her son. She thinks it would be a great sweater, perhaps an owl's. And she said it was a true chunky yarn. Uh, she did say that um, she thought that the yarn was discontinued now, but, you know, check back with Garthanor. You never know if that might change. She says there doesn't seem to be a lot of Manx yarn available in the US, but she would love to work with that yarn again. 
Knitting Jenny, she says, um, would be very suitable for textured sweaters, for example, in cable or moss stitch. Um, well, one thing that she found um, quite annoying was that the of all of the Balakosnahan yarns that she used, she said um, there was a lack of information on the ball band and that needs to be addressed if they wish to um, sell that yarn more widely. And that is an excellent point and thank you for, for sharing that. I have had a look um, at the Balakosnahan website and they do seem to have a little more information on there as to the weights of the yarns and the meterage, etc. I think this is possibly down to some of our wool explorers getting in touch with them. And I would like to say thank you very much for the clear labelling crusade, you guys. And um, this is really important. You know, one thing that we wool lovers need to know is how much yarn is in a ball and what is the rough uh, knitting weight I don't want to go onto a website really to look and see if it's got 100 meters when I'm pulling balls out of my stash and I want to quickly calculate how much yarn I'm going to need for a sweater but if that if it's available on the website uh, then that is that's better than not being on the ball band I guess um, but thank you very much for wool explorers who have challenged that and asked for more information. Uh, since Bins, who was knitting with a worsted spun, hand spun, uh, Aaron, she said, this was a very pleasing fibre to work with and I'm going to have another go uh, at it with a finer gauge in mind. Geneva makes of her hand spun woolen Aaron she said I like the lace the ribbing and the stockingette the smoothness of stocking stitch and the knit stitches in ribbing is an important part of the appeal garter stitch does not have a good feel uh, twisted stitch uh, lost definition with subsequent washes Bella Ra 19 said I'm very keen to cast on some socks if I get some more fibre it, it didn't stand up to an aggressive felting attempt but the stitches still look quite good the swatch did soften after the first wash though it feels solid and not merino soft and um, when we were talking earlier about preparations obviously worsted spun is probably going to make a stronger yarn for socks so again I'd be very interested in how your sock explorations continue now for the double knits. Come on down. Um, the needle size for this, the average needle size for the DKs were 4 to 4.5 millimetres. In this wool exploration, um, we have Kate Bread. Hello, I think you are also new to wool exploration on the podcast this time. Welcome. Uh, knitting Ginny, Practical Cat, Becky P. Small Bird Workshop, another new wool explorer to the podcast. Hello. And Rebecca 72 Jones. Uh, so let's get right on with the hand squish grab. Uh, Kate uh, Kate Bread was using the Balakasnahan double knit, which is a woolen spun. Um, and for her hand squish grab and initial thoughts on use, she said, note, it took me three attempts to cast this on because there were two short lengths, um, one metre or so at the beginning. I don't know if that was to make up the weight or something, but I was a bit miffed. I wrote to them. She says she was very impressed because they did um, get back to her with a whole new ball of yarn and that, that was more than she expected. So she would definitely not hesitate to buy from them again, which is really, really good that you had a positive experience. She said, I'm not used to this sort of yarn. So initially, 
initially it felt a little crisp, but as I started working with it, I warmed to it. The colour is a the colour is a gorgeous, um, rich toffee, and the ball of yarn feels quite dense, quite heavy. Yardage isn't given, but the finished swatch weighs thirty three grams. Knitting Ginny says dry and crisp, not very oily, very squishy, bouncy wool, but rustic in nature. Very occasional vegetal matter, no guard hairs, but small flecks of white in the wool. Practical Cat, uh, hello to you. You said there was a slight tooth when fingers run along the yarn. Initial impressions is very soft and squidgy, bouncy, has a lot of stretch and uh, springs back and is a three-plied yarn, so it's a very rounded yarn. Sorry, I should have also said that Knitting Ginny and Practical Cat were also knitting with the Balaskas Nan woolen spun double knit. Becky P, uh, she is knitting with the Black Bat Rare Breeds and she says, faint sheepy smell, strong, feels plump and bouncy, yarn is smooth and soft. I think this would be a great general purpose yarn. Small Bird Workshop was working with the Balaskas Nan, or however you say that yarn. Gee whiz. Um, sorry, <laughs> having real problems with that today. She says, soft, bouncy, dry, lots of texture and next to skin soft. Rebecca, 72 Jones, was knitting with a Manx yarn from Crafternoon Treats. She says, the ball is soft and bouncy on squishing. I like it. Very slight halo, soft between my fingers. Um, it's made up of three strands. No give or twanging between my fingers. Lovely brown colour, slight sheepy smell and soft against my face. Interesting there. So, OK, let's have a look at the observances whilst swatching. Kate Bread with the Balaskas Nan Woolen Spun said, As I was swatching, I kept stopping to snuggle it. Even before washing, it already feels next to skin soft. Rubbing the freshly cast off swatch, it feels quite resilient. Like at a tighter gauge, it would be excellent for withstanding the elements. While I did initially find it crisp, it does have a soapy feel that some non-superwash yarns can have. Thank you for that observance. That's great, Kate Bread. Knitting Ginny. She said it knitted up very well. This is the Balskinan thingy majiggy. Uh, she said knitted up very well, did not split, but adhered well with the wooden needles. Again, useful for this pattern. Felt drier than the lighter weights that she tried, which we'll have a look at next. Practical Cat said, quite a dry, chalky feel for, for her. Bals Kuznahan, you know, it's a good job I don't drink while I do this podcast. Um, she said, uh, creating a fairly soft, firm, even fabric with a good stitch definition and clear cables. Not a hairy yarn, no halo. Becky P with her Black Bat Rare Breeds um, double knit, she said, uh... It was nice through the hands, feels smooth, good to work with. Uh, small Bird Workshop, Bala Kusnan uh, Farm Yarn. She said a certain amount of stiffness in the yarn, but great stitch, stitch definition, not a lot of drape. 
uh, and crisp. My husband said it feels crunchy. Rebecca 72 Jones with the Crafternoon Streets yarn said, I like knitting with this yarn. It moved nicely over the needles, only splitting as I knit once or twice. There's a slight halo of the shorter fibres, which was more obvious when knitting. Uh, there was no shedding and the stitches held nicely when they fell off my needles on occasion. So wash, block and wear, test one. Kate Bread tried hers on her bra strap before she washed it, but she could feel it prickling. Um, she says that she washed the swatch, which resisted the wash quite stubbornly. I guess that means it was perhaps um, took a while to sink into the water. I kind of love that about some swatches, actually. Um, she said it feels less crisp now. And whilst wearing it, she got distracted and totally forgot it was there. Um, every now and again, she'd feel a very warm, uh, pleasant feeling, but would forget about it again. It still has a resilience that would put me off wearing a tight-fitting hat. Knitting Ginny soaked her swatch from the Bal Co Shannon um, in tepid water and Ucelan for 30 minutes and blocked until dry. It became very slightly softer and more drapey. But um, there's still an underlying stiffness. I didn't feel any irritation while wearing it at my bra strap. A practical cat with the same yarn. She wore it inside her bra before washing and blocking and there was a slight initial prickle, but then she forgot about it. She soaked it for several hours in tepid water, i.e. she says she forgot about it, uh, and then blocked it to 17 by 17.5 centimetres and it kept the same measurements after blocking. She said there was no change in how it wore after um, washing. Becky P soaked hers in Uslan for 30 minutes, then blocked to 17.5 centimetre square as per the Berlin square pattern. She wore it under the bra strap and she said it was um, smooth and warm, slightly out of shape by the end of the day. She says the elements of the pattern, garter stitch, stocking stitch, uh, lace, all looking great. In Small Bird Workshop, she said... After the first wash, block and wear, it was softer with more drape, but not drapey. Slight softening of the stitch definition. She wore it tucked under her bra strap and it felt comfortable unless she pressed it against her skin. She said um, her more sensitive skin husband felt it was <gasps> scratchy. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> However... She says, I've also knit a hat out of this same yarn and he said no issues with after it was washed once. So that's interesting. Uh, Rebecca 72 Jones soaked it overnight in cold water. Nothing added. She says it floated and needed an encouraging under. So that is very like Kate Bread, isn't it? That's that's how she found it too. She squeezed it in a towel and laid it flat to dry. No shrinking. The stitch definition was good and the swatch did not feel rough. Um, it felt smooth under my fingers. Overall, it felt smoother and had a more fluid drape. Here we go. It's getting drapier again. That's another mention of that. She says, I wore it under my bra strap. I did not notice it on my shoulder, but uh, sometimes at my neck, it's very warm. The skin underneath has a definite glow when the swatch was removed. I then wore it at my hip and didn't notice it apart from the heat that it trapped and the heat held after it was removed. 
So wash block wear two. Kate Bread washed hers with a parcel liquid for wool and silk, this time in hotter water, soaked for 30 minutes, rinsed and wrung with a towel and dried flat. It is now the absolute softest thing ever. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, I wore it at my hip and in my leggings for a three hour car journey and I totally forgot about it. The stitch definition is held up, but it's more even after the second wash. Uh, knitting Ginny said she would say of the uh that there were no further changes with the second wash block and wear and she still found no irritation Practical Cat using that same yarn said the second wash block and wear there were some early signs that it may begin to pill eventually but still looking good even after a vigorous rubbing I put this inside my bra and promptly forgot all about it almost went to work with it in there slight increase in the dimension by half a centimetre she says now there is a reasonable drape and I think that would increase on large needles she says a versatile workhorse yarn it looks cosy and domestic and a very matte look cosy and domestic that sounds warm to me that sounds like the kind of thing you want to make sweaters to hang around by the fire on a winter's evening with becky p soaked in eastland for 30 minutes and blocked to 16 centimeters square this time she says it feels plump and soft worn at the hip it just needed some gentle encouragement to get back into shape after a day's wear Rebecca 72 Jones popped her swatch in the machine for the second wash at 30 degrees with a little soak. She says it has retained its shape in the machine and came out a little smaller. It has softened again and after the second wash it has a flowing drape now. She says it felt smooth under my fingers. I wore the swatch under my bra strap and didn't notice it apart from its warmth. I took it to work and my colleague, unlike me, thought it was rough and that she would not be able to wear it against her skin. Uh, I had it in the car with me and I felt a bit chilly on the journey as a passenger so I found uh, wearing it at my shoulder really warmed me up nicely. How fantastic is that? You see, swatching is so much more than just gauge. <laughs> um, Small Bird Workshop said uh, of her, her Balakasnahan yarn, still softer no change in size no change in drape there's definitely a texture to this yarn but both my husband and I found it next to the skin soft after the second wash and he didn't believe me that it was the same yarn air punch high five that's amazing there were no third wash block and wear tests so I asked the chaps what they thought was the best use for this yarn uh, Kate Bread said I would be very happy to use this yarn for most different projects the colour is quite rich and dark but it seems to show the pattern uh, of the stitch fairly well and I have quite a lot left over so I'll probably make a cabled hat uh, Knitting Ginny uh, who was also using the Ballas Kusnahan woolen spun double knit said a substantial winter shawl or blanket and a thick a sweater would be the best use for this yarn. Good with cables because there is really good stitch definition. Practical Cat also using that same yarn. She says this is very versatile and could be used for jumpers and accessories. Becky P with the Black Bat Manx said another enjoyable breed of wool to work with. I think a jumper would be great in this. And um, Small Bird workshop said she used the remainder of the skein for the cabled hat pattern uh, and it's wonderful for cable work I could see it being used um, for all sorts of wonderful textured stitches like traditional Gansey work and perhaps some colour work 
And Rebecca72 Jones with the Good Afternoon's Treats yarn said, I like this wool. It's really pleasant to work with and softens up with washing. It's very warming and would do nicely as a cardigan, hat or scarf. Something to wear on a cold day, perhaps a big overgarment. Uh, but she says it'd be too warm to wear it indoors. Well, it depends how cold your house is, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe something like a Carbeth. You know, I've, I've just finished my second Carbeth sweater. So maybe, um, you know, doubled up. The double knit doubled would make a really great um, Carbeth sweater. Um, thank you to our double knitters um, who, who reviewed that. Uh, our four ply testers are Ramsey Baggins, Knitting Ginny again and Small Bird Workshop again. And this is what they had to say. Uh, for the hand squish grab, uh, Ramsey Baggins of her blacker woolen spun uh, four ply said this is lovely and soft. Beautiful golden brown colour. Some very, very slight hairiness. Smells quite sheepy. Uh, she thinks initially that it would be good for mittens, gloves, hats, sweaters. Not sure how hard it would be, so unsure if it would be good for socks. Uh, Knitting Ginny, who was continuing with the Balakusnan farm yarn with the four ply, she said rustic, crisp, very slight halo, bouncy, no strong smell. A small bird workshop, she was hand spinning and she was um, spinning roving from the Balaskus Nanan uh, farm and she says the roving is soft, 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 very springy, lots of memory, delightfully bouncy. Observances whilst swatching, uh, Ramsey Baggins says fairly soft through the fingers, but the slight hairiness is more apparent than with the hand squish grab. It's got medium stretch, fairly soft with some coarseness, slightly crisp, good squish on garter ridges and okay stitch definition. Knitting Ginny with the Balakas Nanan Farm four ply said very easy to knit with, didn't split on the needles, felt sticky on the wooden needles, which was an advantage with the pattern that she was knitting. She says, as I knitted the sample, the yarn felt slightly more oily, although it maintained its crispness and good stitch definition. Small Bird Workshop with her hand-spun, uh, woolen-spun four-ply. She says lots of texture and a tendency to grab a bit, um, which is consistent with um, with what Knitting Ginny uh, has said. Even so, I found it easy to maintain a consistent gauge. On the first wash block and wear of the blacker four-ply, Ramsey Baggins said, The swatch has increased with size, slight bloom, lovely and soft. Gorgeous golden brown colour, a bit like Demerara sugar or golden syrup. Still a fair bounce. Blocking pin points quite pronounced. The stitch definition is fair. No Kempi coarse fibres and quite airy. Knitting Ginny with the Balaskus Nanan Farm four ply said, I soaked it in tepid water with Usulan for 30 minutes and then blocked it till dry. I put a sample under my bra strap and forgot I was wearing it so there was no irritation. She says no irritation or colour bleeding. I didn't. I'm not sure if this is a dyed shade that you're using, but um, that's really good to know that there was no irritation. Small bird workshop with that hand spun woolen four ply. She says almost the same as before. I washed it. Still soft. Still bouncy. Still a sense of the stitches wanting to grab at one another. 
With the second wash block and wear, the blacker four-ply didn't change much. Ramsey Baggins said there was a light bloom. It was buttery soft, similar to the first test, soft against the skin and very wearable. Knitting Ginny said she used the same method. She said there was no irritation. She said it felt very slightly softer to the touch. And Small Bird Workshop said in the second wash block and wear of her hand spun spot, she said the size didn't change at all, a little softer perhaps, um, and includes a softening of the stitches, but the yarn is still bouncy and elastic. Thoughts for use? Well, Pip Ramsey Baggins, definitely good for hats, gloves, shawls, very lovely. Not sure of the hardiness. She says it didn't pill or felt when rubbed against itself. Um, so that's perhaps a good sign and she would definitely use it again. Knitting Ginny, um, who tested all of the, the weights of the Balaskus Nanan Farm yarn, said... Um, Good for shawls and winter jumpers. And again, she says, I had to hunt for information about yardage, needle sizes and washing instructions. No info on the ball band. Eventually found on their website, which is www.manxloftonproduce.com. Thank you very much for giving us that information, Knitting Ginny. Small Bird Workshop says... This hand spun was two ply and I spun it long draw woolen. I think it is fantastic spun woolen. It is still very strong, but the drafting method allows for all the springiness and crimpiness to shine. She says that I only had enough of the two ply to make a swatch. Um, I turned most of the singles into three ply to knit a cowl, but I could see this being great for lace work and texture work. This is definitely a wool I would love to spin again. Thank you so much, Catherine, Small Bird Workshop, for undertaking hand spinning for us and for everyone else who hand spun I said there's five there was five of you who did hand spinning and we're going to look at some more hand spun and in the lace exploration we had dry gardening drain old and knitting Ginny dry gardening was using the Balakas Nan lace singles drain old was using fiber from witchwood which he'd spun into lace singles both woolen and worsted and she has a really great very long um but very informative um few posts in the knit british ravelry group on this if you're interested in spinning and the the results of this and uh, knitting Ginny was also using um balas kusnatan you know that farm lace singles woolen spun so hand squish grab dry gardening uh, of the lace weight she says the ball feels soft and pleasant in the hand firm and springs back after the hand squish the surface of the yarn is mainly tight curly fine fibers extending into a disorganized manner from its surface a very stray hair appears occasionally flat and matte surface Knitting Ginny found the same yarn to be squishy, a bouncy ball, quite rustic, a few white guard hairs and she thought initially it would be great for a warm shawl or blanket. At Drain Old, she said, both worsted and woolen remind me of fuzz on an antique teddy bear, a wild animal, but still approachable and cuddly. She says the colour is like the patina of a US uh, copper penny, a uh, slight sheen. Uh, lace on large needles would have a Victorian look she says and texture stitches would be well defined especially in woolen and okay in worsted on observances swatching uh, dry gardening says of the Balka Shannon 
farm yarn. Uh, the single ply yarn curled and twisted back upon itself as it came from the ball and required being pulled apart from itself to prevent it forming knots along the length as I worked it. This yarn has a self-adhesive quality like spiderweb. Uh, although somewhat frustrating to use with its continual curling and twisting, the yarn exhibited a lot of strength, some elasticity and a drop stitch conveniently stayed right where it was and clung to its neighbours. Short white um, straightish hairs very occasionally appeared and very occasional white flecks appear in what may be Kemp. Very pleasant to handle aside from the curling and twisting back on itself. Knitting Ginny, using that same yarn, said, Rather rustic, wasn't sure if I'd want to wear this next to my skin. Drain Old found her handspun lace weight to be pleasant to knit with, relatively not splitty tame in lace stitches and elasticity in both woolen and worsted. Dry gardening soaked her swatch for two hours, starting with very warm water which rinsed clear. She said the swatch relaxed nicely and was very easy to block. She said it held the block perfectly, no pullback when the pins or wires were removed and she was impressed at the stitch definition and drape. Flat matte surface with beautiful natural brown colour. Worn directly against my chest for the day uh, as I engaged with usual activities involving a lot of body movement. There was no prickliness and it felt comfy. Knitting Ginny using that same uh, yarn. She said she soaked hers in tepid water with Ysolan for 30 minutes. Not much change in appearance and it still felt coarse to the touch. But no scratchiness or coarseness while wearing the sample which she wore under her bra strap for a day. Drainald on her first wash block and wear she said uh, there wasn't much change she said there was a slight increase in the fuzz for the woolen spun swatch and a, and very slight for the worsted uh, dimensionally it was stable and there was not much reaction to friction the hand of the swatch has a very slight prickle just sometimes aware of its sandpaperiness while she wore, wore it during the day for a second wash block and wear, dry gardening tossed the yarn, uh, tossed the swatch in with a load of laundry and a top loading machine, usual laundry detergent, 19 minutes agitation in hot water, two cold water rinses, tumble dried for one and a half hours, no heat. She said the swatch softened overall. Stitch pattern still quite evident and attractive despite some shrinkage with yarn surface exhibiting a little more fuzziness. Uh, knitting Ginny, she soaked it in tepid water again with Ysolan for 30 minutes. She says the swatch still felt quite coarse, but again, no irritation while she wore it under her bra strap. Um, it had increased by two centimetres uh, in size as well on this second wash block and wear. And Dry Gardening did a third wash block and wear. She tossed it in with laundry and a top loading machine again. Um... And she said, more distortion in the pattern, still visible, but quite blurred and roughened. Lace hole still open, pilling at the edges. Surface fuzzier and very soft. So this, you know, breed yarn has gone through two of dry gardening's washing machine and tumble dryer tests and is still coming out pretty good. Really, you know, in terms of what we might expect if you put a pure wool swatch in the washing machine under those circumstances, I, I'm always surprised at how dry gardening's swatches go through these tests. Uh, knitting Ginny 
didn't do a third one, but um, Jane all did. She says, for the woolen swatch only, the third test was the same as the previous washing wear. A little increase in fuzz, but stable size um, and the same feel. So in terms of uses um, and, and what they thought of it overall, Dry Gardening said, unique, makes an interesting, attractive, drapey lace fabric, which is likely to stand up to some casual use. Knitting Ginny says, I think that this would be a great yarn for a wintry shawl, which could be worn over a coat or sweater. And uh, I should also add that Dry Gardening said, if one has patience with the persistent curling, twisting back on itself, this single ply lace yarn is worth the effort. It can result in an attractive lace fabric with a great natural brown colour. Neither the product description of the label stated whether the yarn was woolen, semi-worsted or worsted spun. It took two email queries to the sellers to obtain that information, although I appreciate that they contacted their mill to find out the answer. This is important. Again, I want to thank our intrepid wool explorers for chasing that information um, to give it to us. And, you know, hopefully Balakas Nan Farm will be able to change their labels and their information um, on the basis that they know now that it's slightly lacking, um, for want of a better term. How interesting. I really want to thank those who tested more than one weight, Knitting Ginny, particularly for testing all the weights of the Ballast Kusnanan farm yarn and for making me try and say that word all the way through this episode and getting different uh, results each time. Also, uh, Small Bird Workshop, Catherine, thank you very much for testing more than once. I wanted to also say that Small Bird Workshop... Um, she has actually designed a pattern, which I don't think is out yet, but um, will be soon, which she has called the Bala Kosnahan hat. And you can see a picture of it in the Knit British Ravelry group. Um, so do keep an eye out for that. It's lovely that people are doing wool exploration and designing as well with, with the wool that they're exploring. That's rather exciting. Soft, dense, bouncy, drapey crisp uh, such a lot of different words to describe Manx Lofton but I think overall an, an incredible amount of work's gone in to um, show that it's quite versatile and um, maybe something that some of you listening have never thought of trying before um, so uh, seek it out uh, if you can um, and and let me know if you if you try it after listening to this podcast. Do jump into the wool exploration thread from Max Lofton and let us know how you got on. Especially if you've knitted socks, I really want to know how those wear. Thank you to all of our wool explorers and to everyone who took part in the chat in the Ravelry group, and to have everyone who has been taking part in their own wool exploration and perhaps not keeping up to date with the Ravelry group or the. Um, online reviewing process it's fantastic to know um, that there are those of you out there who are enjoying wool exploration along with the podcast and f don't forget that you know you don't think that just because we've d covered this one that your review isn't going to be helpful because it really is so you can um, still upload your reviews to the google form um, which there is linked to in the show notes and in the net british ravelry group I just want to tell you about two things which came across my desk recently. One is the amazing new yarn from Glasgow University. 
Uh, the idea for this yarn came from Professor Lynn Abrams and Dr. Marina Moskowitz, both knitters and passionate about knitted textiles and their histories. Uh, they approached the university's farm and have created a yarn from the Scotch mule Texel flock. The resulting yarn is a worsted spun double knit, very strong, very lustrous. I think this would make extraordinary socks, actually. I have it right here to tell you about. Um, let me actually read to you the information. So Cochno is the name of it. I hope I'm saying that right. Cochno wool is high quality, single origin, double knit, worsted spun yarn produced from the fleeces of the sheep of the University of Glasgow Cochno Farm. Our Scotch meal sheep enjoy grazing on the south facing land of the Cochno Farm and Research Centre, which is six miles outside the city of Glasgow. And it plays a key role to the teaching and research of the University School of Veterinary Medicine. The fleeces were cleaned, carded and spun and dyed by the Natural Fibre Company. And the wool is available in four colours. Natural, University Blue, Thistle and Grey. The Cochno Wool Project emerged from research being carried out in the School of Humanities by Lynn Abrams and Marina Moskowitz. Uh, the Knitting in the Round Project investigates the economies and culture of Scottish knitted textile sets sector through collaborations with heritage, organisations, knitwear designers, makers, artists and knitters. Focusing on sustainability, authenticity and creativity, we aim to contribute a body of knowledge to the history of the knitting economy to be utilised by designers and makers today who are keen to reference historical knitting in their work and who are themselves developing new economic models around textile production when provenance, authenticity and heritage add value. Cochno is a word of Gaelic or, uh, origin, which means place of little cups, and refers to the prehistoric cup and ring markings on the stones found in the area. The 5,000-year-old Cochno stone is a large cup and ring marked rock located in Ochnacraig next to the Cochno farm near Clydebank. Research on the stone has been carried out by the University of Glasgow archaeologist Ken Brophy, who describes the stone as one of the most important Neolithic art panels in Europe, and an image of a cup mark appears on our wool band. Cochrane Wool contributes to the sustainability targets of the University of Glasgow. We are pleased to acknowledge the support of the Royal Society of Edinburgh and the University of Glasgow's Chancellor's Fund. And for more information, you can visit them on Twitter um, at U of G Knitting uh, and they also have a website which I've linked to in the show notes I just think this is a great yarn it's got fantastic luster on it um, I was kindly sent the natural and the university blue which is a really bright vibrant blue and the natural colour is a beautiful cream and it's it really is lovely it's got a fantastic luster on it um, it comes in 50 gram uh, balls and it's only available to buy from the Glasgow University online shop. Uh, absolutely fantastic that there's a lot of attention that's been paid to um, the provenance of this wool and the projects at the university which this wool has come out of um, but there is actually not um, too much information about the breeds themselves or um, the handle and things like that so that might be a good thing for them to add um, to the website. The other thing that I would have liked to have seen was meterage on a ball band because as I said before and as I've said before 
you know, we're, we're pulling yarn out of our stashes to see what we've got and if we've got enough to make a sweater or a, a scarf or even a pair of mitts. It's good to be able to look on the, that ball band and see that information rather than having to go look for it. But each ball weighs 50 grams and is approximately 100 metres in length. Um, that information is via um, the website. I have already seen uh, this yarn in action. I've seen a few knitters on Instagram um, who have been knitting with it and I actually got to squeeze um, our woolly mucker Alison Main's uh, current project which I think uses all four colours if I'm not mistaken and and yeah I think I think you're really going to like this this yarn. Scotch Mule is typically a Scottish blackface yow which has been sired by a blueface Leicester top but there's textile in here as well so you've got durability you've got a, a, a softness to that you've got a luster with that which comes from the blueface Leicester um, but you know also blackface has got a, a, a luster to it as well a really interesting yarn and you know I don't think it's going to be around long because it seems to be selling out quite quickly and, and although they look like they've re just restocked um, you'll find it at www.universityofglasgowshops.com and I really look forward to seeing um, what else happens with the University of Glasgow wool and you know if there are going to be some collaborations with um, knitwear designers and makers as they sort of mentioned um, in their literature so um, thanks very much to Glasgow University for sending me some of this to look at. I plan to ca cast on some socks with this um, and hopefully I'll be able to catch up in the in the new new year um, with how I'm getting on with that and a little bit more um, information on that. Something else that I've recently been delving into is Anna Maltz's book, Marlyle. And Anna very kindly gave me a copy of her second book back at In The Loop in July. But then, of course, I got embroiled with moving and everything um, and um, it took, took me a, a bit longer to delve between the pages uh, than I expected. Uh, but uh, recently I got to see the samples at Ferret Fest in, at Fluff in Dundee where Leona has all of the samples on loan and I was very taken with the samples in fact you can see pictures on the website or if you follow me on Instagram of me wearing as many samples as possible um, I just absolutely loved being able to uh, try these items on they've I've, I've become so enamoured with Marlyle. I'm sure you've heard about Anna's technique and I know you will have seen finished objects but I, can I just reaffirm oh my giddy aunt this is pr a pretty incredible direction for knitting particularly if you've ever thought that you've seen it all or if you've ever thought traditional stranded knitwear knitting um, isn't for you. As it says on the back of Anna's book, Marlyle is a simple yet novel approach to stranded knitting where two colours magically become three using yarn held double. Uh, and using a, a combination of hand-dyed and natural wool yarns, Anna has created 11 pieces from accessories to garments which feature an incredible marling of the two shades for the background and the pattern motifs on these designs um, in the dyed shades. And it's 
an incredible effect. Uh, it's a little bit like mosaic. It's a little bit like antarsia. It's a little bit stranded, uh, but it's also 100% unique. And I love that she's chosen to pair woolly natural shades with hand dyed shades. Uh, the book is a fantastic dive into the technique. You're taught how to hold the yarn, how to pair yarns. You're, there's sections on colour, on texture. There are around 40 pages dedicated um, to this and also on finishing and avoiding frustrations uh, and on the terminology and abbreviations and a fantastic section dedicated to yarny resources. And I love that Anna pays so as much attention to giving information and celebrating the yarnies and the pattern testers and the sample knitters um, and those who are involved with the book and that there's as, as much dedicated to that um, as there are the patterns and the pictures and the photography. Um, the patterns are beautifully laid out. The photography is incredible. It's beautifully styled and all shot in London, Anna's base. I love that the models are styled in Marilla Walker designs, which you can find links to all of the patterns so that you can create those clothes and pieces yourself. This is just another reason to love Anna. Uh, her, her approach is just all encompassing. It supports other makers and indie businesses where possible. I mean, what's not to love about that? Um, furthermore, she's keen to raise up the local, which she admits, and I I definitely agree, is a stretchy term. Uh, but take, for example, her cry mitts. The two yarns that she uses in these uh, Marla Isle mittens come from yarny businesses which are equidistant from her London home. So 500 odd miles northwest is Berlin Yarns and the same distance southeast is Filatur Volgodemar Mill, which local quote marks, businesses, both coincidentally run by, you know, brilliant women who are doing incredible things with their local wool. I love that that's being celebrated in this book. Uh, and I love that, uh, that hand dyers are being celebrated as well. For example, uh, Rusty Ferret yarns are, are in the Hosquaz hat. And that was the hat that I absolutely fell in love with um, when I tried it on at Fluff and I've cast it on. And the thing that most interests me about Marlisle is the fabric that it creates. And I didn't really appreciate this until I tried those items on. And now that I'm knitting my own Hosquaz hat, it is such a fantastic density when you use two threads together um, in this way. And then the stranding behind um, the, the um, when you drop the natural colour to let the the dyed shade um, take centre stage. It's an incredibly dense fabric, so warm. And I think items would be so windproof. Marlisle is a beautiful book and it's engaging as the knits will be to make. And I think you will have a lot of fun pairing your stash up for these projects. And actually, I think any project will be great if you're stashing down and you're looking to, you know, use up some stash and free up some space. Uh, I, again, have the Hosquaz hat on the pins uh, just now and I'm using Dovestone Aran and Lore DK from the Fibre Company. You saw that that the Willy Muckers reviewed lore on the blog recently, didn't you? I will put a link in the show notes if you didn't. But I'm really loving the process of Marlisle and it's properly, you know, we all have that 
that thing of just one more row but I just I'm just like that even more with this process with this technique have you tried Marlisle yourself maybe you took one of Anna's classes on the technique I just love it I'm a total convert and this is a fantastic book. It's it's comprehensive and it's really, really engaging. And while we're not mentioning the C word on this podcast, um, this would be a really great gift to yourself, if not um, for the knitter in your life. Um, it costs £21.50. It's available from animalts.com and local yarn store stockists. And it's incredible. Thank you so much, Anna, for letting me have a copy of this book. Um, and I will um, show you how I get on with my Hosquals in a later episode of the podcast. Um, I posted during the Daughter of a Shepherd November prompt about the metaphorical hats that we wear and you can see that post in the show notes and you can see it um, somewhere on my grid at Instagram. Uh, I am underscore knit British on Instagram. Uh, I'm not really a fan of the term side hustle personally. Um, it kind of has connotations of something a bit sneaky or underhanded. Um but sometimes we can wear an astonishing amount of hats. Sometimes the outside world may not even know that we have a lot of hats that we wear. Some of them may be very public hats and some of them may be very uh, private hats. Um, as I said in that post, uh, sometimes you've earned a hat and sometimes you get given a hat uh, and you're not prepared for it. Um because nobody else wants to wear that hat and sometimes you're given a hat that someone wore before and it's like you've won an award and um, sometimes you're the first person to make that hat and wear that hat and sometimes you have hats that you wear with other people and those are very special hats too so yeah hats 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 we, we wear lots of them uh, as you know I've recently given up and hung up my November hat and I know most of you are aware of that by now. Um, I was honoured to be asked to curate a week of posts a few years ago for November. And that quickly turned into becoming me being part of Team November. And that was an incredible journey. But for reasons Felix and I have already outlined over at November.com, it's become a lot of work. And some of you may say, oh, but it's only one month out of the year. But it's it was always more than that. And actually, I took annual leave from my full-time job to be able to work on November last year and trying to split myself in three parts. My full-time job, Knit British, November, that took a lot out of me in lots of ways. And I'm very, very proud to have been part of November. But it simply became too big for us. Uh, and thankfully, it's been a joy to see all of you carrying the Wolvember flame on social media by using hashtag Wolvember. And Wolvember continues in other ways. And it's up to all of us to carry that forward. We all know the good word of Wolvember. We all know that Wolvember was about promoting and celebrating sheep and 100% wool. And um, thank you so much for all the work that you did this Wolvember on social media uh, and in your in your lives to promote wool. Uh, another hat that I'm hanging up is my podcast lounge hat. 
I made this decision quite soon after Edinburgh Yarn Festival this year. Um, when I was asked to do Podcast Lounge, I only had four episodes under my belt uh, when Joe and Mika asked me. And it was an incredible honour. I can't tell you how honoured it was um, to be able to host an area at their 2015 festival. And then 2016 and then 2017 and then 2018. Uh, talk about honoured. It was incredible. Um, back then in 2015 there were no areas at any yarn festivals that were dedicated to socializing throughout the event never mind dedicated to podcasts so it was incredibly fun and it took it was great fun to organize and I learned such a lot personally I made such a lot of friends um, from voices and faces behind other podcasts although I learned that one or two people weren't as friendly as they made out. And I also had the opportunity to meet my listeners in a, in a new way. And that opened up my world. Podcast Lounge has opened up my world so much. And that's all thanks to Edinburgh Yarn Festival too. Since that first podcast launch in 2015, a lot of other events have taken their lead from Joe and Mika. And I've been asked to host quite a few other podcast areas. Uh, and I always say that for me, there is only one podcast lounge that I will ever want to have been hosting. The original and best at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. So you might be asking me, why am I hanging up that hat? Well... On one hand, I think Edinburgh Yarn Festival is firmly established as a totally sociable event. And unlike the first podcast lounge, there isn't anyone asking anymore. So what is a podcast anyway? <laughs> um, this year, I stood back with tears in my eyes, watching people sitting in the podcast lounge, meeting each other for the first time, uh, sitting there, comparing notes on the podcast they liked and taking notes on new suggestions. I loved that. And seeing podcasters and vloggers chilling out all day, some of them in the podcast lounge with their adoring public and just making those connections with one another as well. I just stood back and was like, I, you know, I, we've built it and they have come. <laughs> It's serving its function perfectly. I don't need to host and organise that. It's 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 there. I've loved, 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 loved hosting and organising Podcast Lounge. And I've loved being the liaison for visiting podcasters and vloggers. But that's taken its time too. And when you work full time in the non-wool world, it becomes a lot. And believe me, I was very sad to tell Joe and Mika that I was resigning my position after four amazing lounges that just got bigger and more fun each year um, but I will always be grateful for them for that opportunity and all of the opportunities it's brought me and for every single hug that I got from people at EYF you know but it doesn't mean that I will not be attending or be involved with EYF 2019 but it does mean a bit of an evolution Joe and Mika have decided that they'll not host a formal podcast lounge in 2019. The area will be used for something very exciting and I think you guys are gonna love it, totally love it. I'm excited and I, well, I just know a little bit. Um, we're still going to have a meetup but this is gonna 
go through an evolution too. There'll be more on this soon. Oh, and a, a cow. You love a cow, right? So again, more on this soon. Uh, but I wanted to tell you the news uh, and have it on the podcast and let you know my reasons why. Um, I can't express what doing it podcast lounge has meant to me. Um, but the time is right to take a bow. And I am sure there are those of you who will miss the lounge but let's remember that this is the most sociable yarn event ever and one of the longest and there will be opportunity to hang out in that marvelous marquee too as well as you know the the knit nights and all the fringe events and everything else that goes on at edinburgh yarn festival that you just don't get anywhere else um so fear not what it does mean is that I get to take a class next year. My first Edinburgh Yarn Festival class. And I was really lucky uh, to be able to get a spot in Elizabeth Johnson's Improver spinning class. Uh, so I can't wait for that. But back to the subject subject of hats. You know, there's there's no shame in knowing when it's time to hang up a hat. Again, I am very lucky uh, to have been able to wear some of the hats that I have. And, you know, some of those hats, even though I've hung them up, will keep me warm for a very, very long time. How delighted was I to get an email to say that I have been nominated as online innovator in the Knit Now Knitter of the Year Awards 2018. Uh, very. Um, it was lovely to be recognised by Knit Now. They are so supportive of indie designers and of podcasts and vlogs and blogs. I mean, it's incredible. And it's also incredible that I, because I was nominated in, uh, for this and won uh, a couple of years ago. So it's very nice to be in the running again uh, very much a surprise you can vote for me if you so wish and a whole heap of other wonderful people by clicking on the link in the show notes or visiting the knit now website voting closes on new year's eve and i'm just so chuffed to be nominated by such a brilliant magazine so thank you very much knit now And thank yous continue, because I want to thank you for your support in 2018. I will do a wee look back in the new year, but I really wanted to say thank you for all your support. Um, You know, this year has been a big year. We established 100 episodes this year, and I turned 40 this year. Like, big, big landmark moments. Um, Thank you for everything you do for the podcast, for listening and following and reviewing on iTunes and on your podcatchers. I don't know if you know this, but by you reviewing things on iTunes, it gets it seen by more people. And that's an amazing thing that you actually just can take time to do that. I thank you so much for that. Um, thank you for all of your correspondence and for knitting jumpers for our 100 episode bunting. That bunting will get another outing soon, I hope. Thank you for all of those who have um, used Kofi.com uh, or coffee.com ko-fi.com um, I haven't uh, really mentioned coffee.com since the first time I mentioned on the podcast um, months and months ago earlier this year um, but 
there is a link on the website and for the price of a cup of coffee, the Knit British listeners have paid for the hosting of the website this year. They have kept me in coffee. Also, that money has gone towards posting prizes and things like that. So thank you so, so, so much um, for helping keep the podcast going in that way. I, you know, when I signed up for coffee.com, which if you're not sure uh, what it is, it's sort of like a donations page you know I didn't intend on mentioning it very much because I don't feel like you should have to be forced into being reminded every episode that I have this page which you can donate to if you so wish um but you know I I did make a conscious decision not to have the podcast sponsored this year and one of those reasons for doing that is because it simply just takes a lot of time to administer to that. Um, but your contributions through coffee.com mean that costs have been covered. And I, I just can't believe that. I just, I really thought that, that you know, it might cover the cost of posting things. But again, you've covered the cost of pr- producing, you know, putting this podcast out and the hosting. So thank you so, so, so much. I can't tell you what that means to me. Um, I know we lost a few listeners along the way this year who weren't so on board for me to talk about other things than knitting Uh, so farewell to them and hello to all of you new listeners and followers downloads are way up this year and I mean again I never really pay much attention to things like that but there's been a definite spike this year so thank you it's lovely to hear from those of you who have joined us this year and glad that you're enjoying the content here and those of you who are going back to the beginning this year that the the stats for the first year's podcasts have gone up again as well so my goodness me thank you so much um for going back and listening all that way back i always say you know if you come to the podcast new go back to the start of this year and then you can sort of listen to one and then listen to one from the past and just kind of try and keep it current if you are, you know, so inclined to do that. Um, But thank you so much for those of you who are listening to the podcast from the beginning. And thanks for all of your involvement in the Ravelry group from the Remakery to the Good Intentions, which is returning in February, to the return of the Nature Shades, to just spending time in there and talking wool and being a supportive community thank you. Again, there'll be a special mini episode about wool exploration before the end of the year. But as far as our usual format goes, this is the last show of 2019. Take good care of yourself this festive season. As you know, I like to hunker down, eat quality street, knit and take it easy at Christmas. I'm not so much a fan of the festive and I know that there are those of you who struggle at this time of year and I hope you can carve out some peace and be gentle with yourself. We will, of course, be ending the show with the dance of the Sugar Plum Ruffles, uh, for which this is the fourth outing in a row. Uh, this is a recording made and kindly donated by my woolly mucker, Felix Ford. You can listen to all of her recordings on SoundCloud, and I will link to them in the show notes. But I took this recording um, and I mashed it up with the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, which is played by Kevin McLeod and available on Free Music Archive Uh, so that will play us out. There is time for me to quickly mention that the Small Gestures swap 
is continuing for the fifth year. And if you're very quick, you can sign up for that. I'm closing that thread on the 19th. Um, For those of you who don't know, the small gestures swap is just a way for us to be kind to one another and gift another person in the Knit British Ravelry group the gift of a pattern. A few quid, a few dollars, and it means such a lot. So what you have to do is you need to go over to the Knit British Ravelry group and sign up by the 19th of December. You need to go and check your uh, wish list, which may be in your favourites or it may be in your queue, and ensure that uh, your wish list is up to date and that you've put patterns on there that you'd like to receive and do remember that it has to be patterns that can be purchased on Ravelry and not patterns from books um it has to be patterns which have a Ravelry download I I will pair you up around about the winter solstice and you must send your pattern to your partner by Christmas Eve this as I say is the fifth year of us doing this and it's always just a a really welcome um, little swap and it's really, really friendly. Um, I am very strict that if you don't send your pattern by Christmas Eve, you will go on the naughty list and you will not be allowed to take part um, in the sixth small gesture swap in 2019. <laughs> Do join in if you wish. It's a lovely way um, to get a pattern that's been on your wish list. Something that we all look forward to at Christmas is getting something that we really, really want. And we can easily do that in the Knit British Ravelry group um, by signing up for this swap. Thank you so much, dear listeners. I wish you all peace and goodwill to all you listeners and to you and yours. And I will be back soon. Until then, take good care. Bye for now.
But the stitch definition is is the washed swatch def for the hand squish gab Ramsey oh Ramsey Buggins <laughs> oh dear ah that's the cap you can swarbles throughout swartbles 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 fucking hell how do you say that. Fairly soft, though rough against the face, not itchy. Slight sheepy smell. <laughs> Sorry, I just started to laugh because... <laughs> I'm so sorry, but as I start... <laughs> it's ridiculous. I Honestly, I just... As I was reading that, I somehow got... <laughs> Sorry, as I was reading that, I got this 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 sort of slight feeling that I was reading the shipping forecast <laughs> on Radio Four. That's so funny. I'm gonna try not to laugh now. <clears throat> oh dear. Fairly soft, although rough. <laughs> Jesus, stop it! Right. Um. <laughs> oh god i can't see for the tears now right